Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? It's always good to be in the house of God. David described his joy for being there. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. I was glad when they said that because that's where the festive throng is. This is where we festival. It's where we celebrate. Amen. The house of God is a house of joy. It's a house of celebration. It's a house of laughter. It's a house of peace. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles tonight and go to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew, chapter 13. As we continue to walk through these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and tonight we're going to mostly be in Matthew, and um, where Jesus is in this teaching where he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he's using these parables of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Thank you very much, sir. What the kingdom of heaven is like. And so he's using this allegorical kind of language to describe it. Because remember what he said when and they asked him, why do you teach in parables? Why do you do this? And he said, because uh, basically the hardness of their hearts. And so because I cannot tell them plainly these things, I have to teach them, come down to where they live, talk about the everyday life kinds of things, and, and take out, show them kingdom truths in the everyday stories so that we can bring them up. And so here again, he's, he's going through this teaching. He's talking about these amazing kingdom principles, these amazing kingdom truths, and he's likening the kingdom to certain things. Now, last week we talked about uh, mustard seed, the mustard seed, but I want to revisit that for a moment because of the, the next place he goes. And we're going to tie a couple of things together tonight. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. What did he do with the mustard seed? He sowed it. You got to remember that. Another uh, next verse, sorry, verse 32, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater. When it is grown, it is greater. First it is sown and then it is grown. Okay. Greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. I did some study some time ago on the mustard tree. And being that that seed is extremely small, but they say that that it can, the branches and the limbs can come up and it can grow as high as 75 feet high. Which for an herb, that's incredible, an herb plant. Um, So it's really an amazing plant. But, and Jesus likens the kingdom to this particular seed. There's lots of seeds he could have, but the mustard seed, it's important why he picks out the mustard seed, not only for the kingdom, but also when it comes to our faith. Remember, if you have faith as a mustard seed, in other words, the kind of faith that is planted and grows, all right, kind of faith. We have a responsibility, my family, to grow our faith, to grow in our faith, to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Amen. The Lord has dealt to us a measure, and then what we do with that measure is so important. Amen. He's given us that thing, so now he says, now you cultivate, you grow, and expand. And that's why Jesus Jesus put the responsibility time and time again on the disciples. 
Remember? He would say, where was your faith? Oh, you of little faith. It's one thing to start in little faith, but you can't stay in little faith. Amen. We have a responsibility because the more we grow in faith, the more we get to experience of who he is because faith is our access into everything that God has for us. It's total access into this grace. And and this is the place where we stand. Amen. All through Jesus, who is that door into this grace. So we must remember that. And this is such an important thing. So he talks about this mustard seed being small and then becoming the greatest, right? Now let's look at verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, immediately we can see similarities between these two parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And that is start small and grows big, right? Put a little leaven in three measures of dough. It says meal here, but it's dough. And then lets it take over, right? Yeah. Uh, leaven is just a, a small portion of fermented dough that uh, used to ferment other dough. Once it's inserted into a batch of dough, it continues its process of fermentation until the whole batch is affected by it or the whole batch is risen. Today, our term is yeast. It's the same thing as leaven, yeah. all right? In the, in the New Testament, leaven, though, is often symbolic of a corrupting influence, right? Remember what Jesus said. He warned the disciples of the leaven of the Pharisees. They thought he was talking about bread because they'd forgot to bring lunch on the boat. But Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. In other words, he's warning them of their teaching and of their practice or of their hypocrisy. And Paul, even later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he's dealing with a really difficult situation in the Corinthian church where a man is um, in relation with his stepmother. And so Paul has to bring correction here, and he says you need to separate yourself from this fellowship because this, this isn't a man who just is caught up in a sin. This man is unrepentant. All right, It's one thing for a brother to be weak in sin, another one, another for a brother or sister to be gloating in it. Right? So uh, Paul says you separate because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. All right, so you, you cannot have that kind of you cannot have that kind of activity in the church. You are called to be the separate ones, the set apart ones in the world. Amen. Can I get a good amen? amen. Uh, woo, boy. What did you put in there, Isaiah? Faith. Mm-hmm. That's what faith tastes like. That's faith needs a little grace in it. All right. So Jesus, he, but Jesus does not use leaven in this context, in this certain teaching, as a symbol of a, of a corrupting influence. Um, he shows us something else. He's establishing that like leaven permeates, or like it totally infiltrates, uh, so too does the kingdom of God work. The kingdom of God is here to permeate. It will spread throughout all the world. And so if leaven then, as, as it says there, what does it say? Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Is that right? Is that what it said? So if leaven is like the kingdom, then the dough is like you. The dough is like you. It's, it's me. It's us. All right? 
I want you to notice something really interesting in this passage of Scripture. I love little nuggets like this, uh, the hidden nuggets the Lord puts in there. They're not necessarily hidden. Sometimes you just kind of read over them and don't see their importance. But if you'll take time and, and, and read and kind of dig there for a while. You know, my dad taught me that years ago to, to really see the lights come on in the Scriptures. Read portions of Scripture slow and loud and read them over and over again. Just ruminate in those things and, and revelation begins to come out. And uh, this is one of those verses. I mean, it didn't take long to get through that verse, right? But I, I was the, the way Jesus set it up was the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in how many measures? In three measures of meal till it was all leavened. See, she did this. That three here, if you're the dough and that leaven is the kingdom, or we'll call it the, the, the message of the kingdom, the gospel, right? The gospel of Christ, that comes into your life. Guess what? There's three parts to you, right? And it starts in the spirit. Who is born of the spirit? His spirit, what is born of the flesh is flesh. So now that you're born of the spirit, oh, guess what? Now it begins to infiltrate, begins to permeate your being from your spirit and starts affecting your thinking, your feeling, your, your emotions, right? Your mind, your will. And then before long, it starts affecting this body because your salvation, God's salvation plan for you is salvation, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Every part of you is made in his image. Now that flesh right now is not glorified. So it doesn't act like him naturally. Amen. But more, the more we get this leaven in us. huh? Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. The Apostle Paul writes to us. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everybody say completely. completely. Now watch this. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this, as we talked last week about the kingdom, which is the rule or the reign of God, all right? Not, not as much a domain or a place, and even though it is that, but in context here, when Jesus is talking about it, he's talking about his lordship here, his rule and his reign in our lives, and this is what it looks like, amen? Because he said the kingdom is in you, but we also know the kingdom's not yet, because Jesus hasn't come back, and he's, he is literally going to sit on that literal throne of David. Praise God. Isn't that going to be good when he does? Hmm? He's going to show us how one governs righteously, how one go governs accurately and properly. Amen. We have done a bang-up job ourselves of it, haven't we? This rule and reign of, uh, of heaven, it manifests itself in many ways. And one of the ways is through the gospel of Christ, right? That gospel message is the way the kingdom can be seen in the earth and seen in our lives. As, as Jesus described it a little earlier in this chapter, as a matter of fact, in 13, when he's given the parable of the sower, remember that? And he calls it the word, that seed is the word of the kingdom, the way Matthew 13 talks about it. It's the word of the kingdom. So uh, Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's bring that up. 2 Corinthians 5, you know I'm probably going to end up sometime in the service always coming to these verses in 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Turn to somebody and tell them, tell them you've got a ministry. You got a ministry, and this is it. This is the you are you have the ministry of reconciliation. Now watch this, verse nineteen. That is, here's the ministry that God was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, trespasses being sins, iniquities, anything that's, uh, the, the word for sin in the Greek is hamartia, H-E-M-A-R-T-I-A, which means to miss the mark, right? Any of our mark missings to them and has committed to us the what? Word. The word of reconciliation. So your ministry of reconciliation is a word of reconciliation. This is what this is talking about. This gospel, this is one of the ways that the reign and the rule of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is manifested in the earth because it's in that message. That message carries a hope of heaven in it. A great hope. A hope that does not disappoint. A hope that is an anchor of the soul. A hope that has an expected end. This is beyond, way beyond wishful thinking. This is way beyond crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. Especially if you watch these last two horse races. It's been a weird year in horse racing. Never in the history of Kentucky Derby has a horse been disqualified. First place. And in the second race, the horse throws his rider and runs by himself. Odd. Those are, people have expectations in those kinds of things, but, you know, huh? we need hope that actually produces something that, right. hmm? come on, cowboy fans, talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Paul describes this ministry, this word of reconciliation. So since God reconciled the world through his son, he reconciled himself. Isn't that beautiful? The world to himself, I should say. Then this word of reconciliation is then meant to spread out through all the world. If he reconciled the world, then the world needs to hear about it. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, they need to hear this message of reconciliation. They need to let this leaven's got to get out. Amen. That's the plan. That's the plan of this kingdom is to take over. But it's interesting how it starts because its ending is quite different from its beginning, isn't it? The church, the church, which is you, is another way that the kingdom of heaven is manifested in the earth as children of God, sons of God. As, um, Romans chapter 8 talks about that all creation is groaning. It is, it is laboring with these birth pangs. And it's, the reason that it is in such travail is that it is looking for what? Jesus to return? Not quite, even though that's ultimately. But it's looking for the revealing of the sons of God. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are messed up on this. They don't understand it. Some earthquake happens, you know, nat nat natural disasters. You hear these ding-dongs get on TV and say, well, the God is judging. He is? Because if he is, I can't trust him. I can't trust him. If either Jesus took all the judgment on himself or he only took partial judgment. This is God was reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses. And now all of a sudden he's imputing trespasses? That doesn't make any sense. But my God, you hear it out there all the time. It's hard for people just to accept what Jesus has done. They want to live in Jeremiah. Right? Hey, what about Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians? And I mean, come on. 
We have a whole new experience. Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead. Amen. It's a whole new day. It's a whole new way. It's a whole new covenant. Praise God. And it's a new and a living way. And where there is no law now, see, sin is not imputed when there is no law. So that's great. No, the reason the world is doing this is because it's looking for us to be the sons who will rise up and declare your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's on us to calm the storm. It wasn't just on Jesus. Jesus did that as an example for us, my family. Amen. The same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. Won't you say this with me? What Jesus can do, I can do. You believe that tonight? Do you really believe it? What Jesus can do, you can do. Why? Because there's no difference. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with God. Amen. One spirit. Can't separate you. Thank you. Woo! Thank you. Mm-mm-mm. But see, through the church, this gospel spreads. As people hear the gospel, they believe, and then they come to the house of God and they're trained up. They're equipped for the work of the ministry. They're equipped to minister the gospel in their sphere of influence where God has them and the regions beyond. Yeah. It also illustrates to us this invisible growth, though, doesn't it? She... she Puts that yeast in the dough, in three measures of dough, and then just waits. There's something happening on the inside that you don't see for a while. You don't see it. You don't see the evidence that something's happening on the inside. But it is. That leaven's in there, and that leaven is there to take over. Oh, boy. And, and where that, this is where that leaven does its work. Many times with... Initially, no noticeable uh, effect. The spreading influence of the kingdom is, is hard to see at times because it all begins in the heart of a person, right? For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. This all starts in the spirit, and sometimes it, it takes a little bit to see the evidence of it. Unnoticeable maybe, but real and effective nonetheless. I had a a student this past semester from Brazil tell me a story about an evangelist that he knew, or knows, I should say. And this evangelist was praying, and he was asking God, just, you know, just eating up, just burning up with a message to to win the the lost. You know, he was kind of new in his ministry, and so he was just praying, God, show me where to go. And the Lord spoke to him. There was a certain city there in Brazil he wanted him to go to. I cannot remember the name of that city now. But... Um, and, and he said, and specifically though, not only that city, but the Lord wanted him to do three nightly meetings, three, three nights. And so he felt like he, you know, the Lord, he felt strongly. That's what the Lord told him to do. So he began to call churches in that city and tell them what he was doing. He was an evangelist, wanted to win the loss, wanted to rally these churches together and let's, let's win your city. Let's win the community. So, uh, after doing some planning like that and scheduled the dates, and got uh, a ministry team together amongst these churches. Um, he was set up to do it. And finally, the day came, and he flew into that city. And uh, the facility that they had booked was a hotel convention center. And uh, so they, they came in there, and, and the first night, the place is packed out. He preaches 150 people 
give their hearts to Christ that night. I mean, it was just incredible. He was so elated. I mean, this guy was ecstatic. He just like, oh, yeah, yeah, God, wow, look what you're doing here. This is incredible. He goes to bed the night. He cannot sleep because he's thinking about what are the next two days going to be like? This is incredible. The next night comes. And he walks in. He's all pumped up, and he looks around the room. He looks at his watch. He's like, it's time. It's like 25% of the people are there from the night before. Room's like 25% full. So he's like, what happened? And so he's kind of confused. And, but he's like, all right. He gets up there and he preaches anyway. And two people come to Christ that night. So he is, well, he's not ecstatic anymore. He went from 150 the first night to two the next night. After the meeting's over, he goes to his hotel room and says, God, what is going on here? I'm positive you called me here. Now, night one was great, but we're trending in the wrong direction. From 150 to two? What, what's going on here? Did I miss you? Did you just mean one when you said three? And he really started questioning if he heard God right. And he seriously considered just going home, just canceling that last meeting. But uh, he just couldn't get peace about it. He couldn't get peace about that, canceling that, that next meeting. So finally, he, he kind of stirred himself up in prayer and said, okay, well, so far we've got 152 salvations. That's good. That's fruit. Amen. All right. All right. Look forward. And so the next day comes. Finally, the night arrives and it's pitiful. Maybe 30 or 40 people are there, and most of them are the ministry team. And now the guy's fighting serious, like, devastation. He's having to pray, like, oh, my God. I mean, I know pretty much everybody in this room. Am I going to preach an evangelistic message to these Christians? What am I going to do? And he's mad. He's, he's a little ticked off at God and this whole situation. And, but he... He decides, well, I'm here. i got to preach. So he stands up there and starts preaching this wildfire evangelistic message on night three to people who are already saved. Along toward the end of his message, the back door in the conference room, the hotel conference room opens up, and a man comes in stumbling drunk. And he sees the guy because outside those doors, you go down the hall and there's a bar at the hotel. And that man had been there at the bar and made his way into this room. So the evangelist sees him stumbling in and finally he just takes a moment and he calls out to the man. Just ask him, sir, you want to be saved tonight? The guy's like, sure. (laughs) He said, well, come up here and I'll pray with you. So the man meandered his way up there to the front and and, uh, evangelist prayed right there, just a prayer for him to receive Christ, simple little prayer. And uh, and the man's like, thanks. And they just watched him stumble his way out the back door. And then the evangelist is like, seriously, this is the way this is going to end? This is how this is, you told me three nights, and this is how it's going to end. And he thought, 
this guy that I just prayed the prayer with, he's not even going to remember this tomorrow. So he closes up the meeting, thanks all of his volunteers, tries to keep his happy face on until he gets on the plane to head home. And he gets on the plane and he just says, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. Why that went that way? What happened? What did I do wrong? And so he questioned it. And by the time he got home, he, he got there, he was confused. He was troubled at this whole event that had taken place. But time went on. Matter of fact, three years later, he gets an, an invitation to come and speak at this huge pastor's conference there in Brazil. Because over this three years, this evangelist, his influence had grown. And it had become known uh, some of the churches. And, and so they wanted him to come and talk to these pastors about evangelism, to promote it and to teach them how to preach an evangelistic kind of prayer, to, to aim their sermons toward winning the lost, you know. And so on the night that he spoke, uh, he finishes up his, his teaching and, and a man approaches him afterwards and says, uh, Sir, um, I doubt you remember me, uh, but I'll never forget you. He said, okay, who are you? He said, three years ago, you were preaching in a hotel in a city. And I was in that hotel, but I wasn't in your meeting initially. I was sitting at a bar outside that hotel room, that conference center. And I was drowning my sorrows in my drinks. And he said, and when I'd had enough, I thought I just need to sleep this off. He said, and as I began to head toward my room, I passed by this door where this loud voice is speaking over a microphone. And curiosity got the best of me. He said, and I opened that door and I stumbled right into your meeting. And he said, and that night you prayed with me to receive Christ. He said, but you don't know the rest of the story and I am happy to stand here and tell you this tonight. He said, as I made my way out that back door and began to head toward my room, something started happening to me. And he said, by the time I got to my room, the door of my room, he said, I was completely sober. He said, I couldn't believe it. I'm checking my sobriety, right? <laughs> Is this real? And, and, and he said, I was totally sober. And he, he, he said, I realized at that moment something very real and powerful has happened to me in that room. That prayer did something. And, and the evangelist is like stunned, right? He cannot believe what he's hearing. And he said, first, let me just say this. Thank you for not ignoring me. And thank you for not judging me for my inebriated condition. But instead, you just reached out to me and you prayed with me. And my life has been totally transformed. As a matter of fact, sir, I wanted you to know this. I'm pastoring a church now. And as of this moment right now, in the last three years, we have planted over 60 churches. Now the evangelist can hardly believe what he's hearing. For three years, he thought that those three meetings had ended in total failure. Until that moment when he realized the power is in the gospel. Yeah. It might start small, my family. 
And it most of the time does. It's a seed, remember. But do not underestimate its influence and its power to transform. See, that gospel today, my family, is still healing bodies. It is still saving people from their sins. Amen. That gospel is setting the captives free. So don't be intimidated or persuaded by, by people's hurts or, or even their own conditions or, or their situations. Believe the power of the message. Because it has a power that can penetrate and it can permeate and transform anyone at any given time. Do you believe that today? No matter what the condition, no matter what the circumstance, hey, they might laugh you off. They might storm out of the room mad at you. That's okay. you got to believe in the power of the gospel. They may be three sheets to the wind. That's okay. Believe in the power of the gospel. You just sow the seed because that seed that you sow carries in it, oh, though it may seem so small and insignificant. Jesus loves you. It may seem so small and insignificant. God is on your side. God loves you. Hmm? It may seem so small, and you, may, and you may or may not ever see its effect. But remember this. That small little seed is prepackaged with greatness. It's prepackaged with the supernatural power of God. Once planted, it's going to grow, and it's going to keep growing. Because it's here to take over. Amen. It will leaven the whole lump. Spirit, soul, and body. Look at verse 33. Again, in Matthew 13. I'm almost through. The very end of it. Till it was all leavened. See, this is the kingdom's end right here. This is, it's going to start with that little bit until it takes over. Until it is all See, you know why? Because God wants all of you. Amen. He wants every bit of you. The kingdom influence will be complete. I love this. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. This is beautiful. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also Wait, are you glorified right now? Yeah. No, you're justified, but you ain't glorified yet. You're justified. You're sitting in this body. Is your body glorified right now? Hmm? Huh? You living in a glorified body? No, Tommy. You're receiving that glory. Amen. Huh? But look at this. This is how complete this work is, though. This is what Paul is showing us the big picture. See, the kingdom where it starts... He who began the good work will complete it. See, the completion of your salvation is body glorified. Your spirit's already done. But this says who he justified, hey, he ain't stopping the work. He don't do it halfway. He's going to finish what he started. These he also glorified. So yes, in God's mind, in this gospel, woo, it's already done. It's already done. Now we're just walking this thing out by faith. And with this great assurance, that what has started in the kingdom will be finished. Amen. The spread of the kingdom, this rule of God is taking place wherever this word of reconciliation is sown. Just sow the seeds. The mustard seed, the leaven. Once it starts, it starts kind of in that humble beginning, doesn't it? That small, humble beginning. But when it starts, it doesn't stop until it's got all of you. Mm, The work will be complete. Say that with me. The work will be complete. 
And remain confident in that tonight, my family. Amen. That what began as a mustard seed will become a great tree. What started in one small portion of the loaf will spread throughout the entire loaf. Allow that the leaven of the word to continue to permeate your own heart and life. Allow that word to produce its fruit in your life. Amen. So much so that you grow now. It comes out of you. That influence comes out of you. And you are influencing by others by the word. You share that word with others and by your works, your deeds. You do good works that bring glory to God. I think we'll stop right there tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That you have called us out of darkness. And you have translated us into the kingdom of your dear son. Out of darkness, into the light. And now your word says that we are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. Thank you for the glorious power of your message, of your gospel, that supernatural message that when heard and believed, totally transforms us. Makes us born all over again. From dead to alive. From old to new. From wrong to right. From unrighteous to righteous. Thank you, Father. And we bask in that tonight. We thank you. And Lord, we pray tonight. Lord, I'm praying for all these here. All of us. That we will be faithful carriers of this message. Faithful seed sowers. Not looking for the right situation. We don't need the right situation. We've got the right message for any situation. Hallelujah. And this message has the power to bring the change. All in itself. So I pray God just for boldness upon all of us. Boldness upon all of us to open our mouths and declare the goodness of God. To declare this good news so that this seed or this leaven, Lord, hallelujah, can enter these lives and take over. Thank you for the power of it. Tonight, if you're here and you need healing in your body, I want you to just raise your hand where you are right now. If you're listening, uh, if you're watching this by live stream uh, right now, um, we're going to bring you in this. And if you're listening to this podcast, amen. You might be driving down the road. I don't know where you are, but I want you to know God knows where you are and he knows what you're struggling with. And you can be healed right now. I want you to just receive right now this word because this word is not just trapped in this building. Amen. This is an eternal word. So, Father, I thank you right now for these who have need of healing in their bodies. I declare in the name of Jesus, surely he has carried their sorrows. He carried, he carried, he bore their sicknesses, their diseases, their maladies, their calamities, their anxieties. And he carried their pains. Ooh, that means physical pain and mental pains. Lord, you did the thorough work. And I pray right now, thank you, because you carried all of that. Your body was broken for them. And an exchange was made. You were wounded, and they are now healed. So we call them healed tonight in Jesus' name. Right now, they are healed. Because you sent your word, and you healed them. And you delivered them from your destruction. Your word is spirit.
spirit. Your word is life. It's life to those who find it. And your word is health to all of our flesh. So let your word, let your word do its work tonight. Let your word take over in the name of Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. Thank you for that. Amen. Boy, I believe that tonight. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.